1: Welcome to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 243, and today we are talking about books being released on January 21st, 2020, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with Maria Cristina Garcia-Lynch, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com.
2: How's it going? Hey, it's going pretty well. I I am switching into grown-up alone mode now that my kid is finally asleep. Uh, but you know, it's only you and all the books, so I don't have to be too grown up because this is fun. Yeah. This is a fun way to spend the evening.
1: I should mention that it's like one uh, thirty in the morning, your kid's been up all night drinking whiskey and playing <laughs> poker, and we just finally got her to go to bed. <laughs> we had to bribe her.
2: Man, and like all of that whiskey, you'd think she'd sleep soundly, but.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to start off just by talking nonsense because that's what I do. Do it. Um, so here's something unusual that happened that I just thought I would share. I don't really know why, because I, but I don't like know what it was. Uh, last night, I was sitting on the couch. It was like 1030 at night, and I'm pretty sure I don't believe in ghosts, but if I did, I would say that the uh, ghost bowler threw a bowling ball in my house. <laughs> Now, you didn't expect any of these words to come out of my mouth, did you?
2: (laughs) That that seems like it's magnetic poetry, like just (laughs) a bunch of words.
1: We can't (laughs) explain it. We cannot explain it. Like, I was sitting on the couch.
2: My boyfriend was asleep. Wait, wait, wait. Was it the sound or was there just all of a sudden a bowling ball in your home? No, no. So, like,
1: my boyfriend's asleep. The cats
2: are in the bedroom asleep with him. I'm sitting on the couch,
1: and just for, like, a brief few seconds, it sounded like a bowling ball, was rolling down the wooden floor next to the couch, and there was, like, this vibration, and it was so loud that my boyfriend was like, what is that? As I'm thinking, what is that? And he opens the door, and the cats come running out, and their tails are all, like, five (laughs) times the normal size. We have no... And it... It, that's the only thing I could think it that it sounded like. I have no idea what it was. Nobody knows no like no one ran their truck into our house it was It was just this very loud noise that kind of shook the floor for a few seconds
2: and so I think I have a ghost bowler that's amazing yeah that is that is some awesome, awesome. I'd like like, I just need to go and reread Bowl Away" now, imagining it <laughs> happening in your home.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was very strange. So I thought I'd share it with you. Um, you know, so later on when you know the the nice people come to t- to take me away, <sighs>
2: <laughs> I'll be like, "Go, bowler! I don't even know anybody who bowls." Well, now you're just gonna have to keep us updated about any future sightings, yeah. or or would it be hearings? Yeah,
1: it was probably something like you know the pipes you know shook for whatever reason (laughs) but it was very strange so of course i like to share all my embarrassing moments and strange thoughts out loud with everyone so um now i'm going to tell you about some other people's thoughts and imagination and things that they've made with their brains
0: uh before i do that uh, we're gonna hear from our first sponsor today's episode is brought to you by song of the silks realms by judy island Shuei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed, and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shuei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shuei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year, and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increasingly. More sus when he and Shuwei barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like what, what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke and. Who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy I. Lynn for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Scribner. Weird Black Girls by Elwynn Cotman is a collection of seven stories in which characters pursue their obsessions on paths to glory and destruction, while all around them their worlds twist and warp, oscillating between reality and impossibility. On display throughout is Cotman's ability to reveal truths about the human experience, about things like friendship, love, betrayal, bitterness, all through whimsy horror and fantasy. Elegiac in tone, imaginative, and humorous in their execution, the character-driven stories in Weird Black Girls challenge, incite, and entertain. The author's last book was named one of NPR's Best Books of the Year and was a finalist for the Philip K. Dick Award, with reviews appearing in the New York Times, Wired, BuzzFeed, and Locus, among other publications. Definitely make sure to check out Weird Black Girls by Elwin Kotman And thanks again to Scribner for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> And now, back to
1: things from people's brains. And actually, it's kind of fitting that we're talking about brains, because my first pick is called The Blaze. It's by Chad Dundas. It's a mystery novel. Um, content warning, there'll be discussions of war and suicide. Uh, it is about a young man named Matthew Rose, and when the book opens, he is sitting in the back of a Humvee in the middle of Iraq. He is a soldier. He's, in, he's riding with fellow soldiers, but here's the thing. He doesn't know who he is or how he got there. He just kind of comes to, recognizes the situation for what it is, but not who he is or who any of these people in the truck are. And it kind of goes from there. And as we get into the story, we learn that a c- couple of weeks before that, there was an explosion um, and Matthew Rose has suffered a traumatic brain injury. So he now has amnesia and a few weeks he gets like horrible headaches. He gets very sick and eventually he is discharged uh, from the army. He goes home to his mother's house in Florida, even though he only knows that because someone told him that's where she lives. And, you know, he doesn't remember her Uh, and he learns from her that, you know, she divorced his father many years before. And before he went off into the army, he and his father like pretty much hated each other. Um, They didn't get along. They lived in Montana uh, until his mother left and, and moved to Florida um and he doesn't know but now he hears that his father has died by suicide and so he decides that he's going to go to Montana and see where his father lived look at the town where he grew up because he doesn't remember it um get some things of his father's and because and, he's not really doing much of anything else so he gets a plane on a plane he goes to Florida he gets picked up by his ex-girlfriend Georgie um they've known each other since they were babies they grew up together they were high school sweethearts but for some reason they broke up And you can say, like, I don't even have to, like, be vague about, like, you know, I don't want to spoil it for you because he doesn't know why they broke up, you know. And (laughs) so he he talks to her and, you know, learns that, like, they kind of grew apart and he sort of changed at some point. And the first night that he's there, he decides to take a walk around the town and he comes upon a house fire and learns in the morning that the house, he's, like, taking pictures and he's, you know, like, just looking around. He learns in the morning that the house was burned down on purpose. It was arson, and there was a college student inside who died. Um, And Georgie is now a reporter, and she is trying to find out what she can about this story from her sources. And she gets back together with Matthew to talk about things. And so we we learn a little bit about his brain injury because it's so strange to me that, you know, I had never really given it much thought, but, you know, he's talking about having amnesia. I'm like, well, if you have amnesia and you don't know who you are, how do you remember how to tie your shoes or drive a car or, you know, what any of the things are around you if you don't remember the times that, you know, you were taught these things. But it turns out that he has something called a diffuse axonal brain injury, which is often caused by explosions and which is, he describes it as sort of like when the ocean comes in onto the beach and then pulls back, like his brain kind of, the concussion, you know, caused his brain to move inside his skull. And while he retains his implicit memories of like how to walk and how to um, tie his shoes and and what a fork is, he no longer uh, can hold his explicit memories or his biographical memories. He can make new ones. He's like, he's like, he's got a clean slate from like now, you know, going forward. He remembers everything now, but um, he doesn't know, you know, his old. And it was really interesting to read about because, When you see those things on TV, it's like somebody gets conked on the head, and you're just like, hmm, yeah, that's really convenient. Like, how does that work, (laughs) you know? But so here's Matthew. He's in this town with his ex girlfriend. He doesn't remember, doesn't know any of these people. Um, he does have this one, he keeps having this one dream where he's being chased in the woods by these men who are calling his name. Uh, and he does have one memory that he's like, while he's in this town in Montana, he suddenly remembers that there was a fire 15 years earlier. He didn't know it was 15 years earlier until he looks it up, but he remembers that the local candy store burned down. And this is an actual thing that happened. And, you know, as he's learning about his father, his father was a very successful poet. And then all of a sudden sort of became very um withdrawn and paranoid. And, you know, like I said, they, he and Matthew were not on good terms when Matthew left. Um, He's trying to figure that out. He learns that there is a connection between the candy store fire and the fire that he witnessed the first night that he was there. So I'm not going to tell you any more about the plot, but it's it works in that there's so much danger in not knowing. Like, he's greeting people, seeing walking around the town. You know, he doesn't know any of these people, but they know who he is, and they know... That at some point he knew who they were and what they've done, you know, and are they good people or are they bad people? You know, it's kind of like when you were, when you were a little kid, did you ever hear about people that had the ability to not feel any pain? Yes. Which, which sounded oh. like, yeah, it sounded like a really great thing, right? That you couldn't feel pain, but then it was so you know, explained, exactly. It's explained to you that like you might not be able to feel pain, but if you put your hand down, yeah. you know, on a burner on a stove, that's really bad still, you know, and that's exactly what it's kind of like is like, He doesn't know who these people are and he's interacting with them, but any one of them could be a horrible person, you know, connected to these fires or or the other things that are going on, you know, that he's sort of kind of beginning to remember. Um, It's very, it's very memento. I love memento. It's just Mm -hmm. like, like I saw that movie in the theater so many times. Um, And it's just so fascinating because I'm completely fascinated by brains, especially after the year that I had last year in which, you know, it was all kinds of weird things going on in my head. So, um it's it's very well done. You know, it's also like a, a really like, Im- important look at just, you know, war and trauma. Yeah. Um, so I found it very well done. It is called The Blaze and it is by Chad Dundas.
2: Awesome. Um, okay. I am going to take things back a little bit to a book that came out last year, but is new this week in paperback, which is a great opportunity for anyone to pick it up who missed it the first time around, it is A Boy and His Dog at the End of the World by C. A. Fletcher. And as the title suggests, this is a, uh, a book that takes place in the post-apocalyptic world. Um, there's been some unspecified disaster that happened in the past. Um, and it's, you don't really get too many details about it, but this, this first person narrator, you know, doesn't really have that many details to give you. So that makes sense. But, but something happened in, in what they called the before that affected humanity's fertility. So that birth rates just started plummeting, and it turned out that only like the the population dropped so that there were only one in a million people left basically um and and this this character who is taking us on this little this journey, her name is Grizz and and they live on the The islands off the coast of Scotland, known as the the Outer Hebrides, and that's where this family, um, a mother, a father, and uh, four children, now three since one of them died as a child, uh, have been eking out a small living in this drastically less populated world. Uh, This the strange thing that happened to to really reduce humanity's fertility rates has has also impacted other animals uh, somehow or maybe humans did something to limit animals capabilities to reproduce in a post human world we we don't know but for whatever reason dogs are pretty rare because dogs just aren't having huge litters of puppies anymore and Grizz is the, the proud owner of two dogs, Chip and Jess. And, and, and I say owner, but really they're more like family. Uh, this, this is, you know, one of those things that anyone who has, uh, who, who has had a, a really companionable relationship with a pet will, will understand, uh, that, that, you know, these, these guys are just, your your dudes and you got to take care of them and look out for them because you know that they would do the same thing for you. So when a stranger arrives by boat to do some trading, which which in and of itself isn't too too out of the ordinary, um they this this family wants to hear stories of where this person came from and what they're doing and and they sit and share stories and they end up going to bed thinking we'll we'll do our trading in the morning but when they wake up it turns out the stranger has dog napped Jess and Grizz can't let that go and takes one of the family's boats and sets sail chasing the stranger because damn it Grizz is going to get that dog back And if, if you're the type of person who, who needs to know that everything's going to be okay for an animal in a book, um, I, I really don't want to tell you one way or the, one way or another, because there's, there's this author's note at the beginning that, that is basically begging readers not to spoil the book at all. And I was just like, well, sure, that, that kind of goes without saying, right? Um. But I, I found that warning increasingly unnecessary as, as the book progressed because the, the, the book is framed as I'm writing this account down of these things that, that happened to me, this, this foolhardy adventure that I went on, um, that did not end well. There's, there's just so much foreshadowing about how wrong this whole, this whole thing has gone. And so I'm just like, well, if you're, gonna tell us that everything is is terrible uh anyway like there's not much to ruin you're (laughs) you've got my expectations for the success of this mission pretty low anyway but um but i came to appreciate the no spoiler plea because there are some really fantastic satisfying surprises in this book like the just the, the skill with which the surprises are like, planted, but not hinted at so strongly that they are unsurprising. Uh, but, but also the surprise them, the surprises themselves are just really, really satisfying. And it's one of those post-apocalyptic survival adventure stories that actually ends up being hopeful. Um, at the same time that it's pretty, it's pretty brutal. Um, so, you can, you can imagine that there are lots of things in this post-apocalyptic world that are unpleasant, so prepare yourself for that. And if you, you, if you really, really need to know what happens to, to these dogs, you can find me on Twitter. We'll give out my handle at the end. DM me, and I will let you know if that is the difference between you picking up this book or not, because I, I really think you should read it. And find out what happens to this boy and his dog at the end of the world. By C. A. Fletcher. I'll have to
1: ask you after the show too. <laughs> I didn't read it because I was like,
2: mm. I, I know, I know, right? But um, yeah. but but I can let you know. I can let you know if, if that'll okay. if that'll push you one way or the other. I can do that for you. All right.
1: My next book is a bit apocalyptic, 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 something like that. Um, and also a little dystopian, quite dystopian. It is. One of my favorite books of the year. This book just flayed me.
2: It's January, Liberty. Nope. I'm calling it.
1: (laughs) It's one of my favorite books of the year. Plus, I read it, like, last summer so. You know, like, in in my year, in Liberty years... (laughs) You know, it's like, um, this is a total tangent, like it's going off, but I watched the new Jim Gaffigan special last night and he was talking about like dog ears and like what (laughs) stupid math that is. And like there's a dog in a bar, he's like, you know, it's his third birthday and he's like, I'm 21, (laughs) I'm allowed to drink. Anyway, it was really funny. Anyway, so in Liberty Years, uh, this, I read this a long time ago and this is one of my favorite books of the year. It is Riot Baby by Toshi Anyabuchi. It is so good. A content warning. There is violence, racism, racialized violence, um, you know, death. Uh, of small children. Uh so it is a hard hitting book but it is so fantastic. Uh, at the beginning of the book we meet a young girl. She's named Ella. She lives in Compton with a woman she calls her grandmother who is not her actual grandmother but takes care of her and does all the things that grandmothers do. Uh, her mom is there with her as well. Her mother is very very pregnant. Uh, and at this point in Ella's life, she's very small. She's like a you know 5 or 6 and she can see, she has a thing, she calls it a thing, in her head. And uh, much like Eleven, she gets these nosebleeds, and when she does, she sees things. So she sees a neighbor woman uh, showing her new baby to her grandmother and has an image of this child being caught in the crossfire when there is a gang shooting. Uh, she meets a guy and sees him as an older man, being very kind and taking care of people in a nursing home. Uh, she sort of like, can see the future. Um, and around this time, the Rodney King trial verdict is brought down. The police are set free. As we know, this is a real thing that happened. Um, and there are riots. And during the riots, her mother goes into labor and gives birth to Ella's young brother named Kev. And so then it jumps ahead. They are now living in Harlem. Ella is older. Kev is, you know, is, like I said, he's a few years younger than her. Um, she's a teenager now. Uh, she has, like, grown in her abilities. Um, for, for instance, at, at the beginning where we learned that she has more powers, there, they live in this horrible neighborhood, um, in a terrible apartment. There are rats in the apartment and a rat gets into their bedroom and he wakes her up and she looks at it and BOOM! The rat's head explodes. Uh, so that's a huh, fun power. Okay. That's a fun power to have. Um, you know, and so her powers are getting stronger. And as her, she gains more powers. Uh, she's also getting angrier at the world. You know, she just wants to protect Kev, and she wants everything to be okay for her mother, and she wants the world to be a better place. And it's really hard. Uh, and as Kev grows up, he's very smart. He's very talented. He makes some dumb mistakes, and he basically uh, ends up in jail. Um, basically because he's a young black man in America. Uh, and now Ella has the ability to transport herself. She can make herself invisible. She can do astral projection. She can visit Kev in jail uh, that way. Um, she can hear people's thoughts. Uh, and so she goes inside and she tries to figure out, like, what she's going to do for Kev, who is in jail. It's this horrifying place. There's, you know, terrible violence going on inside. Uh While he's, you know, worrying about her on the outside because her mother knows, like, what Ella is capable of now. And as long, it used to be, like, rules, like, as long as she doesn't do it outside of the house, it's okay. Because what would happen to to Ella if people found out that she could do these things? You know, like, they would want to dissect her and study her. Um So she's only allowed to do them in the house. But, like, as her powers grow, it's harder to keep, you know, her under control. Not, like, under control, but, like, keep it a secret. So he's worrying about her while he's on the inside and she's worrying about him, you know, while he's on the inside. Uh, And it's just this very intense story about racism and police brutality and incarceration and the black experience in America, told through the lens of this love of these two siblings and this young woman who is, you know, coming apart while she's trying to say that she just wants peace and love, you know, for the for the world and for her family. And, you know, they're both like literally imprisoned in their own ways by the injustice in the world. Like I said, it's super intense, but it's very short. It's a novella. It's only 170 pages, and it's so fantastic. It is called Riot Baby. It is by Toshi Onyabuchi.
2: Awesome. Um, I've got a pretty brief um, novella, too, for my next pick. And it's The Sweet Indifference of the World by Peter Stamm. That's Stamm with two M's. Translated by Michael Hoffman, and that's Hoffman with two N's. Uh, this is, it's a, it's a trippy little, like, mind-twisting, but sweet, as, as it says in the title, uh, novella that starts out with this, this first-person narrator who has invited a woman to a cemetery for a chat. A uh, weird place to meet someone, but uh, as he tells her, he doesn't want them to be disturbed. And they go on a long walk, and he introduces himself. His name is Christoph. He is an author, and he tells her a story about his life and his relationship with an actress named Magdalena. And it turns out this woman on this walk is an actress whose name is Magdalena, but she goes by Lena. And she is dating a man named Chris. And they seem to be living the same lives as Kristoff and his Magdalena, only like 15 years behind. Um, And, you know, with some deviations, because 15 years ago, Kristoff and Magdalena didn't really have cell phones. But occasionally on this walk, Lena is, is checking in with Chris by text message. And Christoph is telling her the story about the first time he ran into or, or encountered Chris, uh, who he comes to think of as his doppelganger, even though he's also like about 15 years behind. Um, and how, and, and he tells her the story about how he became kind of obsessed once he discovered this this younger man who who looked like him and seemed to be doing the same things as as he had done in the same sequence um and he he talks about how he had he had run into him because he had written a book that had taken him back to his his hometown on a book tour and this young man was was in that village that he grew up in um and at various points he ends up encountering him again and he had this really amazing thing with Magdalena that, that fizzled out. Uh, and one of the reasons why he's, he's obsessed with this, this younger set, uh, is that he, he kind of, it, it feels a little bit like a do-over and he, he is I don't know. He's, he's kind of ensorcelled by this, this younger version of Magdalena. It's Magdalena again, but in, in this new person. And, and she's talking about how she has a lot of the same memories that he had. And it becomes so confused in the book, uh, but in a good way, in an unreliable narrator way, in an unreliable Reality way um, where the guy then starts wondering, I've got a doppelganger, but am I myself the doppelganger of someone else who's older um, and are my memories even really real? Uh, do I belong to myself or am I a person who belongs to my doppelganger? And it's just so trippy and weird and it, it might be a lot to hold on to if it were a super epically long, um, like novel. It, cause it, it does go back and forth between Kristoff telling the story in the present day and and then the story itself um and the the things that Lena is saying seem to confirm Christos reality and in a few chapters later it seems like that reality that had been established has shifted now and no one's commented on it and it's just it's just one of those things like a dream where you jump from one place to another and it's it it was a lot of fun to read, and it was wistful, I, and I really don't know how else to describe it because it, it is just so trippy. Um, It's a short little novella. Pick it up. It is The Sweet Indifference of the World by Peter Stamm, translated by Michael Hoffman.
1: All right. Before I tell you about my next book, we're going to hear about our second sponsor.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Penguin Young Readers. So, this book I'm about to tell you about is giving five worlds meets spirited away realness. It's about a girl fighting her way back home after getting trapped in a spirit world. It follows Anzu, who's moved to a new town during Oban, a time for families to remember and celebrate their ancestors. Never since her Albachan died. Oban has lost its magic. She doesn't feel much like celebrating anymore. So while avoiding holiday festivities, Anzu spots a stray dog down the street, a dog that seems to be staring right at her. So when she chases it, she slips and falls down a bridge, losing consciousness. And when she awakes, she's in the Shinto underworld known as Yomi. The stray dog, she finds out, is actually the gatekeeper of Yomi and he warns her to return to the human realm before it's too late. Like I said, Miyazaki realness, Um, I'm super excited for this So make sure to pick up Anzu in the Realm of Darkness By Mai K Nguyen And thanks again to Penguin Young Readers For sponsoring this episode Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined haven't read an Natasha Preston thriller yet, we dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Seller and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. And now we're going to hear about
1: my next pick. Uh, I really didn't plan to have this many books about the future and dystopias on the show today. Um, it just kind of happened that way. Uh, I picked the ones I liked the best. And so my next pick is also about a future and uh, kind of like Riot Baby. It's, you know, a little bit different. Uh, it's The Seep by Chana Porter. Uh, there is content warning for violence and suicide and chemical dependency. Um, it is about a trans woman named Trina. Trina is an artist, and she is the partner of Diba. They live in San Francisco. And when the book opens, aliens have come to Earth! And they are called the Seep. They are beings without corporeal form. And so they get sort of passed around in water and bodily fluid ah. and so if you drink some water with the seep in it all of a sudden they're like a they're like an alien tranquilizer and the people of earth are like getting infected with the seep through these things and suddenly Everything seems kind of ridiculous. Like why are we fighting? Why is everything so hard? Why should some people have more than others? You know, why, you know, are all these things that are the constant problems of the world they they're all fixed. Like the seep just makes everything better. And now everyone is happy. Everything is groovy. Um you can, you know, do whatever you want because you don't have to have money and but nobody's stressed out about like being better than someone, or like losing their job, or how are they going to come up with the money? And nobody is sick anymore. Um, if you have you know some kind of health issue, the seep can fix it. And not only that, but uh, and here's where where it sold me. Um, you can change things about your form so you can get like cat whiskers and a cat tongue. And I was like, sold. I'm in. I will drink the alien water.
2: <laughs> so that's the technology behind the cat's movie. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like you can get deer antlers, you can have hooves, you can, you know, change the whole face that you have. Um, And people are really into this, except for a few holdouts um, who live in what is called the compound, people who are like, "Um, we should not be drinking the aliens, and this is really (laughs) bad. But for a while, everybody's going like, Trina became a famous artist around the world but like so did everyone else because everything was great and everybody loved everything and you didn't have to have money to buy art so everybody just passed their art around you know and so then she changed her mind and she became a doctor but she starts to become kind of disillusioned with everything like everybody just being like yeah cool check out my new tale um you know like the like having parties and just getting along and and she feels very strange about it and she no longer wants to drink the seep you know, and she begins to feel like, not necessarily that you need to suffer for your art, but that, you know, things used to be better, you know, how they used to be. You know, she's like shaking her fist at the clouds, you know, like, you know, in my day. So she decides, like, she doesn't, she's not really into it anymore. Meanwhile, Diba, who was her girlfriend at the beginning of the the book, it is now her wife. She sees something on what is called the electric spirit. That's what they call the internet now. Um, about how you can be reborn, like literally reborn, like you're you're a child from the beginning again. And Diba had a traumatic childhood, and she thinks, like in watching these videos, that this is such a beautiful thing—the the chance to grow up again without those horrible experiences that shape you, um, and you know, just like growing up in a world full of love and what mm. that would be like. And she becomes very. Set on doing this and Trina does not want her to just, she's like, no, I I want a wife. I don't want a child. And she's like, oh, but you know, we could meet each other and learn from each other in like totally different forms now, you know, and you could take care of me. And she's like, I don't want a child. I want a wife, but Diva is set on doing this. And so she leaves Trina. And so now Trina is alone in the house, uh, becomes dependent upon alcohol and spends several years just like very forlorn and sad about losing Diva and not knowing what to do. Until one day a guy comes to the door and says, you know, you need to get your act together or we're taking your house. You know, and she's like, but this is my house. You can't take my house. And they, they, and he says, no, these are new rules in the world of Seep now. You know, all of these pieces of the earth Came together, you know, the wood and, you know, everything in the cloth and all the stuff in the in your home came together to make this happen for you. And if you're not going to use it properly, if you're not going to cut your lawn and, you know, to clean up your trash, like, we're going to take it from you. And she thinks, like, okay, that's the, that's like a sign I need to split. Like, you know, I've had enough of this. Um, and so when she leaves, she meets, she encounters a young man uh, who doesn't know anything about what is going on outside and realizes, like, he is a person who has left the compound, the compound where, you know, the people have been living who don't want to get involved with the seep people, seep aliens, I should say. Um, aliens are people too. In, in, in this case, yes, because they're <laughs> literally like driving the cars. Um, so Trina decides that she is going to help him and ends up going off on this adventure and, and um, it's sort of like a friend of hers becomes an enemy It's a very unique alien story, you know, actually talking about, like, love and loss and addiction and identity and what the world looks like when we get, you know, this is like one version of what the world could look like when we get what we want. You know, everybody wants world peace and they want people to get it. Well, not everybody, but the good people want, you know, world (laughs) peace and for everyone to get along and, you know, you know, to have food and do all this stuff. And like, this is what it looks like when it happens, you know. You know, be careful what you wish for kind of thing um, because, you know, alien juice. So um, it is called The Seep. It is by Channa Porter.
2: So, like, I was just about to take a sip while you were describing how you can drink aliens. And now I just, I, I really can't, even though I'm very thirsty. <laughs> oh, oh,
1: I wanted to say one more thing about this book. I almost forgot. It has... So there have been these covers recently and there are a couple more coming up and I don't know how to describe them other than like it's like a black background and it has like these very stressful floral arrangements with like some sort of like fruit or something is rotting or like it's covering someone's face. I need to look this up now. It's a stressful floral arrangement. Yeah. So I was trying to come up with like an idea with, you- so I- I'm calling them necro floral covers. And so, like, this one has one, um, From Hell to Breakfast had one, Their Dark Constellations has one. Oh,
2: yes! Yes, okay, I see it.
1: Yeah, there's a Jeff Vandermill Young, young Adult novel coming out in July that has one, it's called A Peculiar Peril. Um, the, there's another book out today called Follow Me to Ground, and it's, it's kind of like, it's very, like, Pan's Labyrinth, where she eats the grapes kind of yeah. looking room. So, anyway, I... I I've coined this new term necrofloral book covers uh but I I'm there of course they're my favorites now I'm like making a collection of them you know, on you're my seeing desktop them everywhere. yeah yeah so
2: all right uh, enough
1: about the goth flower rot <laughs> um
2: your turn um well it's it's funny that this is just the way that it happens but I am also on a a bit of a speculative fiction kick right now uh, so my next pick is Remembrance by Rita Woods. This is a debut novel and it, it tells three stories back and forth between all these, these different time periods, uh, and places. You've got 1790s Haiti with Abigail who is a slave and, uh, you've got the 1850s in New Orleans which uh follows Margot and her family who are escaping on the underground railroad and uh they they find a stop that is literally magic like it is protected by a magical boundary and you've got present day Cleveland with Gail, who is a nursing home aide, who finds herself caring for an elderly woman who just so happens to have the same heat producing magical abilities that Gail herself has. Um and it turns out that Abigail back in seventeen nine back in the seventeen nineties found her way to New Orleans, uh, was rescued and learned magic from her rescuer. These three stories are all related, not just because of these supernatural abilities that all of these women encounter and develop and cultivate, uh, in themselves and in, in others. Um, there's telekinesis in this book. There is, um, like, an almost mind reading type of, of potent empathy. Uh, there's, there's like lots of really cool magical abilities all over here. Um, but that's not the only thing connecting these three different stories. These, these stories are related quite literally because all three of these women are related to each other so it's like a a little bit of a multi-generational novel uh, which long-time listeners of the podcast will remember is like my kryptonite I am I am just always going to say yes to a multi-generational novel and this is a really fun one um because it also has elements of historical fiction and fantasy um but, but, you know, fun is, is relative because these are, these are women of color during difficult times and, you know, content warnings, enslaved people had, had really, really negative experiences. So uh, just be warned that, that there's that, but it's, it's so, I, I love seeing these strong women building these communities together and taming something powerful even if it's just within themselves it's just it was it's a real ride um and it is called remembrance it is a debut novel by Vita woods okay
1: my last pick is a small one because it is a small book full of small words it is a book of poetry which is not something I normally choose. But I've been trying to read more poetry. I have not been very successful. Um, For some reason, it's not the thing that I reach for first. Um, But when I do read poetry, I'm like, that is amazing. Uh, So there was no reason for me not to reach for this book because it is bright fluorescent yellow. It looks (laughs) just incredible. I had a pair of roller skate shoelaces, this color. Anyway, um, it's called Homey. It's by Dana Smith. Um, they were the NBA finalists with their book of poetry, Don't Call Us Dead, a few years ago, and this is their new collection, uh, and it is poems about friendship and the search for closeness in a world where personal interactions are harder to find or achieve You know, either because people don't leave the house because they're spending more time working from home or talking to people online or just because you don't have to leave the house as much now. You can buy things online, um, you know, order food, you know, so... This is about, you know, how in a world filled with violence and hate and fear, um, these are some really heavy books that we're talking about today, like, you know, real and, and, you know, in the future. Um, but like how in, in, you know, today's world, um, how a friend, whether they are, you know, someone, um, you're actually related to, You can call your family friends or, you know, found family, which I think I've mentioned this before. But in doing the Book Riot TBR subscriptions, when we ask people, one of the questions is like, what would you like to read more of? In my experience with my subscribers, found family books are the thing that people ask for more and more all the time which is like you know and that's so great because that's that's my thing you know where I say like you know you know family is a privilege not an obligation so like you know make family out of the people that that you want you know not the people that you're related to if you you know don't get along with them or for whatever reasons so you know it's like about how you know family or or friends you know can help you at that moment you know when everything seems like it's terrible and horrible and just hearing from a friend can you know lift you up and change everything for you and you know smith also it, these poems are are incredible um like but it's also about race and you know the black experience in america um like the first poem is about called my president and they talk about how you know they are nominating you know their president you know Beyonce and Shonda Rhimes and you know Colin um Oh God! What's I've never actually said this man's name out loud before. It's Colin Kaepernick. Is that how you say his name? Kaepernick. Yes. Like how like they are voting for them, you know, because they don't live in a world where the people that they identify with and you know they look up to and they see themselves in are you know are held up like you know the people that are in charge right now, and it's just it's so good. Um, also, the, the structure of the poems are very different. I know very little about poetry. Like, very, very little. So, like, to listen to me talk, I'd be like, well, some of these poems, the sentences are spaced out pretty far. And then some of them are very close.
0: And I don't know what that means, but like,
1: they're all very different. And some of them have several lines and numbers, and then some of them have a couple lines in numbers and you know so I, I can't tell you anything about poetry i just know that i read it and and it makes me feel things and that's important to me um so you know if you've been thinking about picking a poetry or you know you want to read a really great book uh, it is called homie and it is by dana smith
2: okay so my two takeaways from that are we need a new book riot podcast that is all liberty reading poetry and describing <laughs> it for you yeah um and two if you want to hack the tbr subscription service and ensure you get liberty as your bibliologist then you need to request a found family book oh yeah
1: we just gave away the secret really.
2: <laughs> i don't know if that'll really really work you'll have to subscribe to tbr try it out and and we'll see if that's that's how this actually works yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's it's you know, there's that, and then there's, like, um, I want to read something that makes absolutely no sense, and that I can't stop thinking about, and it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I got you covered.
2: <laughs> okay, um, I am going to round out the show today with some nonfiction. It's an anthology called Fight of the Century, Writers Reflect on 100 Years of Landmark ACLU Cases. It is edited by Michael Shabon and Ayolette Waldman and it is pretty much what the what the subtitle says it is. Um they got a whole bunch of writers. I'm sure our listeners have read at least some of them and loved at least a few of those, because they're just they're just all phenomenal. Phenomenal writers, uh, and they pick all these cases from district courts and the Supreme Court in which the ACLU participated, either as as counsel or submitting briefs as friends of the court. Um, and it goes chronologically uh, from the the beginning of the ACLU all the way up to the present. And these these writers have just these little essays about, uh, about these cases. And one of the things that I love about the variety of, of authors they got for this is that each, each little essay is, is different. You've got some that are straightforward. Here's what happened with this, this one particular case. Um, for example, um, editor Michael Shabon tells the story of, United States v. one book called Ulysses from 1933 and and the length there seems appropriate considering it's it's about Ulysses uh and and he he says like look this is what everyone involved did to make sure that this case happened uh because they wanted a test case for this obscenity law uh and 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 it's a really riveting tale of of this true story about this really bonkers thing that happened um that ended up in in a victory for people who who like the first amendment uh and and that one that one's a little long but then you've also got some some shorter stories that that aren't shorter essays that aren't really recaps of these historical cases but are more this is this is how The, the issues in, in this case, uh, whether or not they were things that the, the lawyers involved were actually arguing about, but, but the themes of this case. Here's how they have played out in my own daily life. Um, which is a fantastic reminder that these, these big cases really do have real world impacts for lots of very real people. Um, for example, you have Brown v. Board of Education of Topeka from 1954, uh, and the writer who takes on that case is Yara Jesse, who talks about growing up and going to school in Huntsville, Alabama, which, as of even a couple years ago, is is still super segregated in its educational system, because while... Brown v. Board of Education famously said that separate but equal is unconstitutional. They did not take the step of, of saying, and you must fix that immediately. Uh, they, they basically left it up to states to fix it at their own pace. Uh, and so it's a, it's a celebration of a lot of victories that, that we've had. If, if you want to believe in, uh, a, a world that's getting better, um but it's also not it's it's not blindly uncritical of our justice system and it's not even blindly uncritical of the ACLU you've you've got one essay in there that that basically says hey you you were on a a pretty pretty you know yucky side there when it came to citizens united and and i think it's going to be the wrong side of history aclu and and you should apologize for that and i just i love that that dissent is included in this collection of essays as well it's it's very much what the aclu is about uh even defending the the bill of rights when it benefits people who who are kind of gross because they get they get the right to say what they want to say to uh and I, I just, I loved, I loved reading this book. It made, it made these cases really accessible, uh, really, really human. And I, oh, it was, it was just really great also to have a taste of a bunch of these different writers who, who I love. You've got, you've got Lauren Groff, you've got Elizabeth Strout, Jessmine Ward, Marlon James, Victor LaValle, Charlie Jean Anders, uh, and maybe my favorite, my favorite essay in here is uh, by Jacqueline Woodson about uh, the the two cases that that deal that dealt that came out of the whole Scottsboro Boys tragedy. Um, so it it it's just a fantastic anthology, and it is fight of the century. Writers reflect on one hundred years of landmark ACLU cases.
1: All right. this is a long one today.
2: Ah. We we had a lot of thoughts about the
1: (laughs) apocalypse, and also I spent some time talking about my ghost bowler. Um, So, uh, quickly, what are you going to read next?
2: Um, I am going to read a book that I've been meaning to read, just because I like the title, uh, Will My Cat Eat My Eyeballs? Yay! (laughs) And that is Big Questions from Tiny Mortals About Death, which is which is it's it's a fun read for me, I'm looking forward to it, but it's also practical because I have a tiny mortal, and one of her friends has been like talking to her about death, uh- oh, and I just you know wanna make sure that i'm I'm part of that conversation uh because i I think there's some misinformation going around, um, <laughs> like when you die, you just immediately turn into a fossil, oh, interesting, yeah, so so you know, just correcting those. Uh, those misconceptions without instilling fear is, is something I think I'd like to have in my toolkit.
1: That's pretty good.
2: (laughs) What about you?
1: Um, I can't believe I'm actually saying this out loud. I don't know why I shouldn't be ashamed about anything that I'm reading, but, um, in December, I read an article. Uh, in the cut, that was the best book I read in 2019 was this 800-plus-page sex memoir, uh, and I went out and bought it. Um, it is. <laughs> when I was 11, I read Andy Warhol's diaries, which were just totally filled with, you know, parties and, like, famous people. and sure. It's not even, like, name-dropping, but I was so taken by it, and this... It apparently is, it's called Guess Who is the Happiest Girl in Town by Susie Weiss, who was a, an artist and a model who later became a renowned call girl and madam. And the way that this person wrote about this book is just like, all she does is talk about the affairs that she had with famous men and women. Um, the prose is supposed to be like, just so ridiculous at times that it's, just turns back around to delightful um you know some of the things that she talks about some of the experiences that she had you know you, you like picture people holding the book sideways being like how is that even possible <laughs> like it's it's just so funny and it's it's amazing because um, I had to send away for it from the UK, and when it got here, I was like, "No way is this an eight hundred something page book." Um, but it turns out that the writing is like footnote size. It's the print. I mean, not the writing, the print. <laughs> it's so small. I held it up next to a book that was five hundred pages long, and the five hundred page book was actually taller, but the, because the print is so small, I don't know it. I just thought it would be really funny. I was so taken by this review that I was like, I want to read this. So that is what I am reading now. Um or going to be reading when we finish up here, uh which is is now. That was very fun. Thank you for joining me today. Um, thank you to our sponsors. If you want to get in touch with us, you can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. You know, I can pass on some messages to my ghost bowler if you have any. Uh, you can find us online. Maria Christina is on Twitter at MeowyChristina. It's M E O W Y C R I S T I N A. You can ask her about the dog in her first pick. Um, you can find me online on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive. And if you'd like to leave us a treat, uh, or give us a treat you could leave well, you could leave us a treat but we're not going to say where we live um, <laughs> you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or review it helps other book lovers to find us and as much as we would love to tell you about more books today we just don't have the time but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter and in the meantime happy reading happy reading,
2: reading.